You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's episode of the Locked On Youth Podcast, here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we're going to talk about Brian's favorite subject. Yes, that's correct. Tempo, no huddle, KYP, why that's so important to the University of Utah's offense moving forward. We're also going to swing around the athletic department, get some updates from Utah men's golf, volleyball, tennis, and others. And lastly, we'll close things out with some updates on the Aaron Lowe tragedy going on and where you can go and mourn with others, including a very heartfelt note from his department chair at the University of Utah. All that coming up on today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast for September 29th, 2021. Hello, my Utah friends and family. It is Brian Brown here. I am the co-host of the Locked on Utes podcast, riding solo today simply because the legend Jake Hatch has to sleep at some point in time. You know, as a bear that I, uh, you know what, uh, I got to be careful. I think maybe I go to the bear metaphors a little bit too much. I am actually a human being. I just uh, never shave and haven't cut my hair in, in over six months, so I, I kind of give that... Um, very hairy human look going on, but, uh, you know, as a, uh, metaphorical bear or someone who identifies well with bears, I don't sleep a whole lot during, uh, you know, it's fat bear week. So I'm out there doing the same thing that the fat bears are doing, trying to get, gain as much weight so I can go hibernate for the winter time. Um, a lot of updates for today, just really quick. Utah basketball practice started yesterday. I was not able to attend, but from the earlier reports, it sounds like, uh, a lot of a lot of different things uh, in action. It sounds like Booth Gotch uh, still question mark whether or not he's going to be playing, uh, waiting on a transfer uh, waiver, and and that'll kind of depend on how well the uh, University of Utah Compliance Department is able to pitch his case. Um, you know, uh, but early reports from from the first practice very upbeat, uh, very energetic. Some good things from David Jenkins Jr. Looks like Lahat Chun uh, is going to play a big role. Brandon Carlson. Um, just a lot of uh, – there's a lot of questions for this squad, I think. Um, good early reviews from my man Lazar Stefanovic. Uh, Stefanovic, we're going to have to figure that one out. I don't know if he pronounces his the same way that you would in, in, in Russian – so in Russian, it would be Stefanovic, uh, but with the uh, Slavic language is being a little bit varied. Sometimes it's it, it's something like Stefanovic. Uh, it just kind of depends on where you come from. They they like to put the emphasis on the other uh, syllables out there in Serbia. But sounded like Lozar had a good uh, opening practice, and, and I think he's going to play a, a big role on this team. I love his game. I'm really excited to see him. Uh, Dusan Mohorčić, uh, another one of those guys that that really um, 
a newcomer, incoming transfer that could have a major impact on the University of Utah. Just 6'10", 226, but a very physical presence down low, which could free up Brandon Carlson to be more of a, a four-man outside kind of guy. Uh, that's a fascinating uh juxtaposition there. I'm, I'm really curious to see how that works out. Um, but good early uh, early responses from practice. You know, David Jenkins Jr. definitely going to lead the team in scoring uh, according to most of the people that I was able to uh, talk with. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of seems to be the consensus for the most part. I'm really excited to see what uh, Boston Holt ends up developing. The 6'6 forward, it listed as a forward Probably better off to list him as a wing from Coffeyville uh, Community College out there in Kansas. Uh, I think he's got a lot of potential, but uh, this is not a, a basketball take. Just wanted to get a little bit out of the way because I know there's enough out of you out there that love basketball that you love to get your basketball fix. We're going to try and do a lot of basketball. It's going to be weird this year because um, basketball and football are going to cross over a lot, I think. So. We'll try and do as much as we possibly can. Hopefully, by the time the actual season starts, we'll be able to just go full go into basketball. Uh, that being said, I wanted to talk a little bit about the offense at the University of Utah, specifically the offense for the football team. Why tempo matters? And I think it's a very fascinating question because you are seeing around uh, around football that teams are all about tempo. Uh, for those of you who are watching Monday night, the Manning cast I thought was – uh, well, I mean, I don't think this is breaking news for me to say this, but the Manning cast is amazing, and uh, I think we're all very big fans of it. It seems like the internet approves, so that's really uh, as as important as anything is that the internet likes stuff. Uh, because if you don't like things that the internet doesn't like, if you like things the internet doesn't like, oh boy, is life going to be tough for you? Uh, plenty of snark intended there, but. One of the best parts about it is they're bringing on all their friends and everything like that. So you get to bring on Nick Saban. And Saban will talk to Peyton and Eli because he knows them. They have a relationship. They're friends. Uh, they do things together. You know, they, they work together a lot, I believe, on, on not necessarily on the Manning camps, but just in, in that, that vein and talk a lot, I'm sure. Uh, Saban joined and, and he's able to speak a little bit more freely because I think he can trust them, right? So he knows that they're not going to try and trap him. They know that what they're talking about is very much football-y stuff. And that's kind of a hard thing. Like, unless you're with people that really understand football on that depth of level, and I, I don't claim to be one of those people. Uh, you know, I, I do know football pretty well, but even when I talk to coaches sometimes, I have to get them to slow down and explain a few things here and there. Uh, when you talk to people who know football, it, it's just a much more relaxing atmosphere because you know that they're going to interpret what you're saying exactly how you need it to be interpreted. Uh, he talks about the no huddle, says uh, in, in the quote, he says, I don't understand why anybody gets in a huddle um, anymore. Uh, it, it's really kind of a fascinating clip. And I thought he made a couple interesting points talking about it. He said that when when offenses come out of huddles defenses are able to recognize their keys a little bit more readily it's a little bit more natural it's a little bit more habitual we talk about trigger points when we're talking about actual football plays so like an offensive lineman for example pulling his hand out of the ground is a trigger point uh the quarterback if he's under center you know flapping his hand against the center's backside to indicate that it's time to snap that's a trigger you know things that you do to trigger the motion that gets you into you know your your habit 
And you have to develop these trigger points as a player because that's really how you reset and how you train your body to do the same thing every time. That's you want it. That's the crazy part about football. You want to take as much thinking as possible out of it and just react and perform and not have to have any kind of hesitation whatsoever. That that split second of hesitation can be the difference between getting an interception and getting a reception. So it's all about trigger points. And I think coming out of a huddle allows a defense to initiate their trigger points. Guys can go to the positions that they need. They settle in. They feel a little bit more confident. When you go no huddle, and this is all stuff that I'm, I'm taking from Nick Saban but also agreeing with, he says it takes a, a defense out of their rhythm, and I agree 100%. Now, how does this apply to the University of Utah? Well, it's it's pretty simple. University of Utah can go 12 and 13 personnel across the field. Again, 12, 13 means one running back, two tight ends, or three tight ends, right? So the first number is always running backs. Second number is always tight ends. You fill in wide receivers around you. The University of Utah has three tight ends who can play a, a, a variety of positions. We saw Cole Fotheringham this weekend line up outside as a flanker. We saw Dalton Kincaid take a t- tight end sweep. We've seen Brant Keithy do literally everything. And so you have a ton of versatility with those guys. You have a lot of strength with those guys. You have some good blocking with those guys. But the biggest advantage you have is that you can go no huddle. And and we've talked about 12 personnel, play action, all that kind of stuff. You can go no huddle and you can go under center inside zone, which is that inside handoff that Utah has been running so much. You can immediately get up on the ball after that. You can go four wide open sets shotgun formation and throw the ball immediately after and that is such a disruptor to a defense's rhythm and the reason why you can do that and why it forces the defense to play it honestly is because you've got tight ends out out on an island out on an edge who can get by cornerbacks tight ends who can block on the edge tight ends who can make plays on an edge and if you have a playmaker like Makai Bernard or T.J. Pledger, guys who are better catching the ball out of the backfield, you suddenly have five wide receivers. You can motion. You can bring guys across the formation. You can shovel pass. There's a million different options that you can do. And, and how this helps the offensive line, one, if a defense is going to blitz, they've got to declare guys. So they've got to show it immediately. That allows the quarterback uh, to audible if he needs to or to signal to his wide receivers or his tight ends out there. Whatever it is that they need to do, they can get into that play. It's just such a better situation. The second part about it is if you get up and immediately go after a run play and run a pass play to the sideline and make the defense pursue, now they're suddenly tired a little bit more. You get up on the ball again. You immediately run, uh, You know, depending on if it's a first down, you immediately run an inside zone handoff. You can go back to your original under center if you want. You can motion in a, t- a tight end and go two by two, meaning you have a tight end on the line of scrimmage with one right behind him. You can bring in an H back if you want, and all of these guys can do that stuff. There is a ton of versatility. So Utah is really doing themselves no favors by not KYP, so they're not knowing their personnel. KYP, know your personnel. So they don't, they're not using their personnel in a savvy manner in terms of making the defense shift. And so the defense has to create a unit that is best for both covering tight ends out on the edge or covering wide receivers or four wide, right? 
or they have to do they have to create a defense that's best best for stopping the run game. And so Utah would be much better suited to run no huddle, high tempo, uh, 12 and 13 personnel than than pretty much any other setup that they could. The only other thing that I could think of is you could go 22 personnel, two backs, two tight ends, and use somebody as Br- like Britton Covey as one of your running backs and, and really get versatile in, t- in terms of how you're doing that kind of stuff. And they haven't really done a ton of that with Britt yet. Uh, I don't know why, if it's just that they're not thinking about it or what, but the bottom line is that the University of Utah – is giving the defense an advantage by not attacking the mismatches that their tight ends uh, can create. And they're giving themselves another disadvantage by not allowing these tight ends to force defenses into personnels that either choose to defend the pass or choose to defend the run. And if you run this personnel grouping where you have 12 or 13, again, one running back, two tight ends, one running back, three tight ends, 12 or 13, Either one of those personnel groupings, you can still run four and five wide even with that kind of a group, and you force a more run group of personnel players to defend a pass out on the edge, and there are plenty of safe passes that you can make with that group. You can mix and match your personnel so that if you're going 12 or 13, you could put in a Jalen Dixon, you could put in a Makai Cope, you could put in a Theo Howard, you can, uh, you, you know, you could do Solomon Enos uh, as, as one of them and, and, and create a backside drag route on whatever the action is if you want to go play action and boot to the wide side of the field. And Solo is great in that middle of the field open stuff. Uh, there's plenty of stuff that you can do for this, and the University of Utah just simply isn't dipping into the bag enough. They're running two, uh, they're running one basic formation, which is is you know, uh, they're running uh, twins. Uh, well, it's not really twins, uh, like the old double wing. So double wings, I, I guess, is what you could call it. But under center, inside zone, and then they run that, and off of that on first down, they run play action. By the end of the game, you can see that Washington State was sniffing that out every single time, and they didn't have a whole lot to go to, which is why you have to be more versatile on first down. You have to be more creative on first down. Uh, The more that the University of Utah can be those things, the better they're going to be in terms of offensive efficiency, the more it's going to help them on third down conversions where they are currently not doing well at all. Uh, You should be at at least, in my opinion, you should be up close to 50% in third down conversions in order to be really effective. Um, They are not. They are currently at 30.4%. Uh, on third down conversions, 16% on fourth down conversions for the season. They're just really struggling on third and fourth down, and I think some of it is because they're not doing enough to vary the personnel to start and confusing defenses and get them thinking enough early on. They want to just win straight up and down. They want to have a sumo match. They want to just rub bellies against people and try and push each other over rather than getting inside the defenders' heads and confusing them right from the get-go. And it's showing up in those numbers. For example, I said that they're at 30.43%. That's good for 117th. 117th in college football in terms of third down conversions. If you look at the teams at the top, might be some surprises there. Coastal Carolina, Texas, Western Kentucky, Duke, Army, Boston College, TCU, Missouri, Kentucky, Georgia, uh, Auburn, Ohio State, Oregon State, Buffalo, Alabama. 
top 15 right there. Teams who can convert on third down and stay on the field are teams who can win. You can do better converting on third down by creating chaos within a defender's brain on first down. Instead of just going under center and handing the ball off up the middle, be varied, use variable personnel, do things to make the defense think all three downs, and that will give you an advantage, regardless of whether or not you score or gain yards on first and second down. And if you want to convert your third downs, the best way to do that is go to betonline.ag. And by third downs, I mean convert your pennies into nickels, your nickels into dimes, your dimes into quarters, and your quarters into $100 bills. That's right. BetOnline.ag is back and better than ever as all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the field to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your sports favorite sports. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All righty, looking around the University of Utah Athletic Department, a lot of teams in action now as fall sports have cranked up fully. We talked on yesterday's version of the Locked On Utes podcast about the University of Utah golf team at the Mark Simpson Colorado, Colorado Invite. They're at Colorado National Golf Club. The uh, the the golfing Utes finished strong, minus 36 in the tournament, finished third place behind Boise State and San Francisco, tied really with San Francisco, who also finished 36 under par. Boise State wins the tournament at 46 under par, but this is against a really solid field of opponents. They outlasted San Diego, Colorado, Wyoming, Grand Canyon, Utah Valley, UT Arlington, Denver, Wichita State, Texas El Paso, Northern Colorado, Utah State, Kansas City, Southern Utah Air Force. So a very strong showing uh, from the uh, golf and Utes, the par and Utes. The birdie utes, maybe the birdie utes. I kind of like birdie utes. Uh, if you have suggestions for that one, obviously hit us up at Locked On Utes there on Twitter or email us lockedonutes at gmail.com. Uh, shout out Sean Davenport. I don't know if you're listening, but thank you for the email. Uh, probably someone that you'll be hearing at some point here on the podcast as well. As, as Sean is a good friend of the program and has some really interesting perspectives to share that I think people are going to be interested in. That'll definitely be coming up down the road. Also, just a quick reminder, if any of you are interested in doing our Fan Friday segment, uh, we're going to table it for this week simply because of uh, everything going on with the athletic department and the fact that it's bye week but we will start it up again, again next week. Be sure to get on the waiting list. Send us a DM. Add us on Twitter uh, at Locked on Utes. The University of Utah tennis, tennis team uh, did a really good job of advancing to uh, the women's tennis team, I should clarify. They advanced two to the semifinals on day two of the Cal Invite. Uh, Linda Huang and Anastasia Goncharova, uh, Goncharova in, in, in Brownie speak, advanced to their singles draw semifinals there. Um, both of them had a really strong performance there. It's a very strong showing uh, for the team. 
good to have them both competing there all the way up into the semis uh, for the University of Utah. Also, women's soccer uh, in action on Thursday. They'll welcome Washington State uh, to Ute Field, and then on Sunday they'll welcome in Washington. Uh, Washington State currently 7-1-1, 1-0 in the Pac-12. Washington is 2-4-2, oh, and 1 in the Pac-12. Uh, come out Thursday night, show your Utah football ticket from the past weekend. You can receive a $3 ticket uh, to the soccer game on Sunday. It is the uh, versus cancer match. You can donate now by going to utahutes.com. Uh, find the, the link there on the soccer page to fund pediatric brain tumor research and local hospital programs. Uh, last time the Utes were out on the field was Friday, September 24th, when they were at Stanford to open Pac-12 play. Defeated three to nothing by the number 10 team in the country, but it was a strong showing uh, by the Utah women's soccer team. As Chelsea Peterson tallied a single-game career high with 12 saves, uh, Courtney Talbot led the team with three shots in the contest. Uh, Washington State's another strong team that they'll have to face uh, and, and be on top of things, but if Folks will get up and get out to Ute Field. Um, that game is at 7 p.m. on Thursday. The Sunday game against Washington is at 12 p.m. You can get tickets uh, at utahutes.com. I highly recommend going in the soccer game, supporting them. Home field advantage for the Utah women's teams uh, is, is critical, uh, and that's something where I think we can all do a, a really good job of making teams feel uh, making the Utah teams feel at home and making other teams feel unwelcome there, uh, help bringing that home field advantage that uh, some of our other programs have enjoyed uh, to our women's squad. Also in action this weekend, uh, Utah Volleyball returns home to host Oregon State and Oregon. Uh, those games, Friday, October 1st at 7 p.m., they will face Oregon State. Um, Sunday, October 3rd, they will face Oregon. Oregon's ranked number 11. Uh, currently, the University of Utah volleyball team ranked 19. Uh, going to be a tough match against Oregon. That's a strong team. Um, Utah volleyball, uh, some strong wins. Obviously, talked about uh, the win against Washington on the road. But this will be their first game at home. So if you can, get up to the Huntsman Center. Uh Match play starts at 7 p.m. Match The match starts, I should say, at 7 p.m. on Friday and then at 12 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, that does it for the kind of the the whip around. I, I, I feel like I'm infringing on a uh, uh, Bill Riley special if I say it like that. Uh, but those are your updates from the University of Utah Athletic Department. A uh, little bit about what's going on. It, it's going to get even more and more busy as, as things progress. So it's definitely a great time uh, to be a fan of University of Utah Athletics. It's also a great time time to be a fan of Built Bar. Uh, just got my boxes of cookie dough chunk, one of my favorites. It is delicious. They have actual chunks of cookie dough in there. But you know what? That's not even the best part, that you taste uh, protein bar that tastes like cookie dough. The best part is it's that they're healthy. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs. And that's just, uh, you know, some of the flavors have even more uh, protein up up to 18 grams uh, with only 5 grams of sugar. That's the reason that we press so hard on these built Bars is that they are tasty and they are healthy. Uh, 
you know, it, my favorites, we've talked about them a lot. I love the Cherry Barcia. Uh, ordered some of the Cherry Lime because somebody said that it tastes like a Starburst. I'm very, uh, very curious to see, uh, you know, how that one is. But that's another fun part about Bill Bar. They always have new flavors, always new things that they're trying out. And every now and then you get to go back to the old ones um, that you know and love, like the cookie dough chunk. So I got a couple boxes of that. Uh, my Built Bar library is expanding rapidly. And the reason why I can afford to do that, well, it's simple. I got the promo code locked on, or excuse me, locked 15. Uh, that promo code will get you 15% off any order at builtbar.com. So use the promo code locked 15, go to builtbar.com, get your built bars uh, at 15% off. Uh, again, go to built.com or builtbar.com, 15% off using the promo code locked 15 and go get built. Wrapping things up here on the Locked On Utes podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't share some updates on the Aaron Lowe situation. I don't even know what to call it, to be honest. Uh, just tragedy. Um, it, it is such a sad, sad circumstance. And the more things come out about it, the the sadder I feel. Uh, the more I see teammates struggling, the, the, the more my heart hurts and goes out seeing his family. Uh, I hope everyone had a chance to see the GoFundMe that his his family put together, um, you know, and and just I want to commend Utah fans. Uh, you did exactly what I expected, and just absolutely obliterated the goal of that thing. Uh, it's over twenty six thousand dollars. I think they were trying to get fifteen thousand. Um, some interesting things happening. You know the. Uh, uh, I believe, oh, was it Tuesday at 2.22, all the athletic department uh, Twitter accounts all tweeted out an image uh, that said family on three, um, you know, obviously in honor of, of Aaron and Ty. And I can tell you from conversations uh, with those around the program that it has just ab- been absolutely devastating uh, to the team, to the coaching staff, and and the amount of heartache that they are feeling right now is just tremendous, but it's not just the football team. I think it's all across campus. Uh, a very emotional letter from the department chair, Avery Holton over the department of communicate communication on, on his passing. He said this on Monday, I met with Donna Lowe Stern, the mother of Aaron Lowe, a remarkable student, deep thinker and celebrated athlete who was killed in an act of gun violence early Sunday morning. I met Donna in a room surrounded by university leadership that aches for and with her, and we talked about Aaron's progress as a student, about his passion for helping his classmates, and about the excitement she felt for her son to attend the University of Utah as a communication major. He goes on to say that I I witness her grief, one that I have not known personally in my life, but that we have seen a number of times on campus in our community. One where a parent watches their child take on a new chapter of life, hoping they will be safe, hoping they will somehow uh, be somehow shielded and cared for and protected. Through her tears, her mourning, Donna asked that we acknowledge and remember Aaron. We began some of that by extending a certificate of academic achievement to Aaron, which Dean Culver and I issued, and we can carry on with that acknowledgement and remembrance by recognizing how special Aaron was. Aaron was a son a brother, a triplet, uh, no less, and a friend to many. Aaron was a black male student trying to navigate a predominantly white campus and community. 
As evidenced in his writings during his time in the Department of Communication, he knew the precarity of his situation. Aaron knew that life is fragile. He knew this more deeply than I ever could, could, given my positionality. Aaron knew that life's delicateness is heightened by a system set up to stigmatize black men. As a white man, I cannot speak to how such a life is balanced, but I can be challenged to do better by words Aaron wrote. As summarized by a colleague and friend this week, Aaron spoke and wrote about the salience of his identity as a black male. End quote. Aaron's legacy should certainly include how hard he worked to gain and maintain a full athletic scholarship. It should include how much he pressed himself to be a stronger student, how deeply he thought, and how he worked to lift up the friends and family around him. Aaron's legacy should also be that he recognized what it means to be a black man today and that he asked us in his own way to acknowledge that and to challenge ourselves to do better, to, to do more, period, to do better, end statement. And as part of that challenge, uh, I just want to, to promise that I will do more and I will be better, Aaron, uh, as part of your legacy at the University of Utah. I will continue to use this and, and, and my positioning as a platform uh, to tell these stories, to share these athletes' feelings, their emotions, their thoughts, to allow them the opportunity to give, uh, give their side, to share how they're feeling, to share their mental health struggles and everything that they have to go, everything that they go through as student athletes in a very predominant position and all that it exposes them to, both good and bad. Uh, I want to reach out to everybody here and just say thank you uh, for those who said something about our episode on Monday. Uh, it, it's not it's not easy, um, both to compose your thoughts and and to try and and say things that you hope will help ease people's burdens because that's not really what I'm good at. Uh, I'm good at breaking down defenses and, and cracking silly jokes. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is, this is important. Um, and it is important that we recognize and honor Aaron for what he left behind. Uh, because otherwise this tragedy goes, uh, you know, for nothing and, and justice may be served with arrests and, and courtrooms and, and things of that nature, but it will better be served by us all resolving to be better people to care about those around us, to be better teammates to our other, not just Utah friends and family, but all of our friends and family out there, uh, and to be examples to others of how we can help uh, allow people to live out their dreams and and pursue legacies. Um, I think it's just as important to recognize what Aaron was in, in terms of his representation of Ty uh, you know, and, and being a friend and devoted and loyal and choosing to live up to a standard that definitely could not have been easy, but choosing that willingly because he believed in it. I'll just close this by saying that there will be a candlelight vigil for Aaron Lowe Wednesday today uh, at the University of Utah. That will be on the Student Union Southwest Lawn at 7.30 p.m. Candles will be available for attendees while supplies last. The block U on the hill will be lit from 7 to 9 p.m. to mark the occasions. 
uh, the occasion. Speakers at the event will include the following President Taylor Randall, uh, Student Body President Jess Wojcikowski uh, of the ASUU, Dr. Lori McDonald, Vice President of Student Affairs, Athletic Director Mark Harlan, and select student athletes. Uh, that again, 7 30 p.m. Candlelight vigil and on the southwest lawn behind the A-Ray Open Student Union Building. Uh, if you can attend, uh, you know, I, I have no idea how, how everyone else out there deals with things, but uh, I would highly recommend for those who may be struggling that that, that would be something worth attending and worth honoring such a, uh, such a brilliant, bright young man who has gone far too early. Um, and as such, uh, you know, um, we're on a bye week. Uh, it's, it's a tough week to talk about, you know, anything, um, outside of it. Uh, so, uh, we're going to try and do our best to continue to have some episodes. If you don't see anything Thursday or Friday, just know, um, you know, that it was something that Jake and I have chosen to do simply because, uh, uh, it, this is hard. Um, this is really hard for me and, and I want to provide uh, good content and I, I want to provide people an escape. Uh, but at the same time, it is a very, very difficult time to deal with. So, um, that's it for today's episode of the locked on youth podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all your kind words. We appreciate you and your support. Uh, we will be back, um, next time here. This has been the locked on youth podcast for September 29th, 2021.